Okay, and now let's move to, to this challenging question. And before this, these are my disclosures. Then the first, the, the question here is, can be myeloma curable or is just a dream of some people like Ken Anderson or Barbaludi or Marby, what? Okay, the first report about cure came from allogeneic transplant, but this is anecdotal. With the autologous stem cell transplantation in the era of chemotherapy, it was reported that approximately 5 to 10% of myeloma patients remain in continuous, complete response for more than 10 years, and they were considered operationally cured. We know that with the novel drugs, the survival of myeloma patients has doubled or even tripled. But to consider myeloma as a potential curable disease, the fraction of patients in continuous complete response at 10 years should be around 30 to 50%. In other words, these patients should have a life expectancy similar to the normal population of the same age. And here we should pay tribute to Barbarology because he has pioneered this idea through the total therapy programs. As you can see, the survival of patients under these total therapy programs has significantly increased over the years. What I'm going to do this afternoon, this evening, is to share with you my personal view about the roadmap to cure patients with multiple myeloma. And this includes five actions. First, to try to eradicate all the tumor cells. Second, to use high-sensitive techniques to evaluate treatment efficacy. Third, early detection, early intervention. In other words, to treat disease causation instead of symptomatology. Fourth, to use the most active treatment in standard risk patients. And finally, to investigate experimental therapies upfront in the high-risk myeloma patients. First action, to try to eradicate the tumor clones. We know that myeloma has an enormous genomic complexity, and we need to eradicate in almost all, all, all malignancies, all the tumor clones, if we want to succeed. Otherwise, the patients will eventually relapse. Probably the only exception would be <coughs> this fraction of myeloma patients that have at presentation an MGAS signature, an MGAS profile. And we have discussed about this issue this morning. We have been able to identify in approximately 8% of the total myeloma population, a fraction of them that has by immunophenotyping an MGAS signature. And as you can see in these patients, the survival at 10 years is 59%. And this was also reported, similar finding, by Barbarology Group using gene expression profiling, the MGAS gene expression profiling that he called in this paper. Second action, to use appropriate tools for evaluation of the treatment efficacy. We know that the definition of complete response is probably suboptimal because relies on two low-sensitive methods. One is immunofixation, and the other is morphology. 
when you say a patient, you are in complete response, you have less than 5% plasma cell, the obvious question is, are these tumor cells or are these normal cells? Therefore, we need techniques to discriminate between normal and malignant plasma cell. And it's interesting to remember that it was now more than 15 years ago when we published this paper that by using immunophenotyping, we were able to discriminate between normal and malignant myeloma cells. And we found that the number, the level of myelomatose plasma cell had a clear influence in the outcome of the patients. Since this preliminary study with a sensitivity of 10 to the minus 3, we have evolved to the next generation flow that allows us to identify one tumor cell, one myeloma cell in a million normal cells. And the same occur with the next generation sequencing that has evolved from the ASO-PCR with a lot of problems now to a technique that is really reliable and has also allows you to identify one myeloma cells among a million normal cells. Is this relevant? This slide illustrates a large series of patients from the Spanish myeloma group, over 1,000 of patients in which we have analyzed the impact of response. As you can see, complete response patients do much better than partial responses, BGPR, near complete responses, partial responders, and less than partial response, both for PFS and overall survival. But we did a very interesting exercise. We extracted from the complete responders those that had minimal residual disease. And you will see in the next slide the picture. In the green, you have the minimal residual disease. And as you can see, the complete responses go similar to the VGPR or the partial response. In other words, this already illustrates the value of going deep in the evaluation of the residual disease. Now let me share with you some slides about the value of evaluating minimal residual disease in different settings of patients. First, in the transplant eligible patients. In this slide corresponds to the last presentation that has been recently published this week in Blood about the NGS by the French and Dana Farber group. As you can see, by using 10 to the minus 6 patients that are MRD positive, do much worse than the MRD negative patients. Look to this picture because it's almost identical to this one. But this one is using NGF flow cytometry. Again, a clear discrimination between the positive. Does the depth of response matter? Again, here is the NGS, the French group, 10 to the minus 6, minus 5, minus 4, less. And now NGF, almost the same. This is the reproducibility of both techniques, showing always identical results. What about the value of minimal residual disease in the non-transplant setting? Here you have the analysis of the transplant and the non-transplant. These are the MRD negative, these are the MRD positive. As you can see, if you are not transplanted, but you achieve an MRD negative, you are almost the same as the transplant. And this has been confirmed in the Halcyon trial that VMP plus uh, DARA or without DARA. What is matter is to achieve an MRD negative result 
that shows significantly better outcome. And what about the relapse? We have now data that in the relapse setting, again, those that achieve MRT negativity do much better. Then the value of MRD is demonstrated in all settings of the treatment of multiple myeloma. But are these MRD techniques enough to evaluate the depth of response? We have discussed already this morning again, and we have talked in the controversial about MRD, the value pros and cons in the con, this has been alluded about the pitfall of the quality of the bone marrow sample, the genetics, the immune profiling, how this affects the MRD results. Let me start by the evaluation of the quality of the bone marrow. We have carefully analyzed in patients that were 10 to the minus 6, negative, some patients have already relapsed. And we have looked to what was the quality of the samples in the patients that have relapsed. And what we have found is that in these patients, the number of normal precursors of B-cell was very low. In other words, this indicates that these were not adequate samples. There was peripheral blood contamination, and this should have been considered as a false negative result. Another important issue is the genetic profile of the residual cells. Here you have in blue a population of patients that have one lot more residual cells than the red ones. But the red ones do worse. Why? It's because they have a genetic profile that is high risk as compared to the other one. Then the genetics of the residual cells influence. And the third issue that was already alluded this morning again is the immune resource constitution. We have identified, and this slide was already shown this morning, a small population of MRT-positive patients that have a very strong immune reconstitution that do pretty well similar to the MRT-negative. Then all this should be taken into consideration. If we want to cure the patients, we need to have a complete profile of the bone marrow analysis, not only the minimal residual disease analysis, and also to look to the minimal residual disease outside of the bone marrow. And both the Italian and the French group has shown that patients that are PET negative, they show significantly longer survival. And the most important is to be PET and MRD negative. They enjoy significantly longer survival. And this is the reason why the International Myeloma Working Group has decided to include these parameters as key parameters if we want to eradicate the disease. That is the goal of my talk. How to cure the disease? Use the best possible methods. And don't forget that it's not only MRD, it's also the immune profiling of the cells in the bone marrow. Third action, to treat, to treat the disease early on. Marie V. Mateos has shown this afternoon that advanced cancer is usually incurable. And in most malignancies, early detection and early intervention is key. Then why is the standard of care in myeloma no treatment until CRAB are at presentation or until clinical progression at the time of relapse? We start to consider that probably this is a mistake. And Mary B has illustrated already in the talk and in the previous presentation this morning, how the genetic complexity increased from the smoldering that is already complex to the active myeloma. Therefore, by delaying the treatment, 
you will increase the possibilities of having genetic complexity. And probably this is the reason why in all the settings, transplant, non-transplant, immunodulatory drugs, patients in a stage one myeloma do much better than a stage two or three. In other words, early disease do much better. And we know everyone that the stage one do much better. And this was the reason why we decided to activate in the high risk this study, the Curedex, and as has been shown by Maribi, patients treated with Lendex, early intervention, did much better, not only in terms of time to progression, but particularly interesting in overall survival. And now our dream is to cure myeloma by this early intervention. And this slide has already been shown that patients that receive an active treatment, plus autologous, plus consolidation, 60% of these patients are MRD negative. And our goal is to demonstrate that in this patient at five years, they continue to be MRD negative. For action, not to exclude a standard risk from upfront intensive therapy. I respect really very much the Mayo Clinic group, but I think they did a mistake. Everybody made mistakes in their life when they recommended this smart approach for the standard risk. Myeloma is not a standard risk. Myeloma is a terrible disease, and we need to fight with, it, uh, with all the myeloma cells. And for this reason, I think, particularly in the standard risk, the best possible treatment should be used in these patients. To offer intensive only to high risk, I think, is a wrong philosophical approach. For this reason, our recommendation for a standard risk is to use a triplet, possible adding a monoclonal antibody soon, autologous transplant, even tandem, if the patient is MRD negative, can go into maintenance. If it's MRD positive, consolidation. I know that some people will prefer to defer the transplant, but use the best treatment. And for, in our opinion, this is the best approach at this moment. And last, the fifth action, to identify the high risk and to offer them experimental therapies. They should not be treated in the same way. In this patient, effective treatment may not be a matter of dose intensity, but a matter of dose density. And probably, short sequential therapies, including immunotherapy, to avoid early tumor growth will be important. And we consider high-risk cases with high-risk genetics, rapid responding but early relapsing, patients with extramedullary disease, I mean, all these patients, stage three, high risk. Why I'm showing this slide? I'm showing this slide because here we demonstrate that MRD is particularly relevant in transplant ineligible, in advanced stage, and particularly in high risk. Why? It's because these patients usually have only two chances to receive treatment, upfront and the first relapse, then the disease is going to be very refractory. And it's very clear shown in the next slide by the MRD negativity by the Spanish group showing that patients with high risk genetics that remain MRD positive, the median PFS is only two years. Patients that have been treated with VRD plus autologous transplant, consolidation with VRD, only two years PFS. And the same, or even worse, is shown by the Dana-Farber IFM study using VRD again. And as you can see, 
the median PFS is less than two years. And then the overall survival in this patient is less than three years. Can we offer this patient this conventional treatment? No. I think this patient needs probably experimental therapy. I think we have heard during this meeting a lot about immunotherapy and could be a very attractive option, but not to be used at the end of the disease, but to be used upfront, the first relapse at the maximum. And the data of the card, I think, is data that is very attractive, but to be used early on. This is my conclusion. I think that although we have made a great progress in recent years in both in biology and also in the discovery of new, new drugs, we are not yet in the position of curing the substantial proportion of patients that I think we need to call myeloma curable disease. That should be around 30, minimum 50, ideally, percent of the patients. And for this purpose, Myeloma should not be considered as a single entity. Myeloma should be considered as a complex entity similar to the lymphoma, and we should be more ambitious. We should have in our mind the goal of cure, because otherwise we will not change the outcome of myeloma patients. And I think they deserve all the efforts just to achieve this goal. And I want to finish by thank the Spanish myeloma group, and as I mentioned before, particularly the team Salamanca and Navarra. Thank you very much for your attention.